If you, we have not met, my name is Kaylin Laura. I am one of the pastors here at Santa Maria Foursquare. And it is my honor to be with you to share today as Pastor Tim and Kelly are away on a much needed and well-deserved vacation. So Pastor Tim and Kelly, if you're watching online, we love you, we miss you, can't wait to see you again. But while they've been gone, we have already had the chance to hear from a very powerful man of God last week, Pastor Gary shared with us. And today, my message is kind of going to be a follow-up to what Pastor Gary uh, was speaking about last week. Pastor Gary, last week, was teaching about the power of truth. He reminded us from 1 John 4 about how we need to protect ourselves from believing the lies of the enemy. The lies that, about others, lies about ourselves, and lies about who God is. And from what Pastor Gary showed us in scripture is that it, the enemy tries to lie to us because, this was a quote that Pastor Gary said, he said, the enemy desires to use whatever he can to begin to deceive you and to bring you to a point of despair and giving up. He wants, you, he wants to render your Christianity and what you believe about God ineffective and of no use and no value to you because he knows that if you believe in it, he's in trouble. The enemy knows that there is power in the truth of the word of God. So if you were here last week on Sunday, you heard this incredible message about believing the truth. And then if you are reading along with us in our 260 reading plan as we are reading through the books of the New Testament, on Monday, we started reading the book of Jude. And Jude is a letter um, that is only one chapter long. It's just one chapter, the whole book. And it's a letter that was written by a man named Jude to the people of God. And this chapter that I'm going to be talking about today from Jude, it starts off really, really interesting. And I want to ask you guys, has anybody ever sat down to write a letter and then when you actually go to write the letter, the things that you had planned to say in the letter changed and you actually wrote about something else. Or maybe you guys don't write letters anymore. Maybe, maybe the same thing has happened to you when you're like writing an email or a text. <laughs> or maybe you just even in conversation with somebody, you plan to talk about one thing, but then you actually started talking about something else. In my life, this has happened quite a few times, and one of the most notable experiences was when I got married. My husband and I went on our honeymoon, we came back, and I was like, okay, now I've got to get ready to write the thank you notes for those people who blessed us with gifts at our wedding. But I had this envision, like this plan, that I was going to send out letters with like a picture from our wedding, and so I had to wait for the photographer to give us our pictures back. And it took about two months to get the pictures back from the wedding. So as I was waiting for the pictures to arrive, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and so then I got hit with really bad exhaustion. I was super tired. I had some morning sickness. And so during this time, I'm like, man, I really need to get these thank you letters out for my wedding. But all of this other stuff is coming. I had to wait for the letters or for the pictures to arrive so that I could order the cards to write, all this kind of stuff. So needless to say, when I finally got to writing the thank you letters, I was really, really late. And I ended up writing like half thank you letters, half 
baby announcement. <laughs> and in the cards that I sent out, I actually sent out a picture with like a pretty big baby bump already being like, baby's coming really soon. <laughs> and so that all goes to say is that sometimes we sit down to write something but then we end up writing about something else. And that is exactly what Jude said happened to him when he sat down to write this letter. In verse three, it says, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So Jude was planning to send an encouraging letter about the faith that we all share. But then when he sat down to write, he felt the urging, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to write something else instead. He said he needed to write to urge all of us to defend the faith. And if Jude thought that it was so urgent to change his whole topic of his letter, I think that it's important for us to talk about today too. We are going to talk about what it means and what it looks like to defend our faith. Last week, Pastor Gary taught us about the importance of our defending our faith when it comes to what we know is true about ourselves and what we know is true about God when the devil tries to speak lies to us. And this week in Jude, we read that we must defend our faith once again. In other versions and translations of the Bible, in that verse in Jude, it says that we must contend for our faith. And this word for contend or defend is usually used to describe an athlete that is striving with extreme intensity to win the victory in a physical competition. In the other translations, it says that we are urged to fight strenuously for the defense of the faith. In other words, Defending our faith is not something to be passive about. We have to take action to strive, to strenuously defend our faith. It's not something we can be passive about. So Jude goes on and says, hey, I want you to defend your, defend your faith. And then he tells them what we need to defend our faith against. In verse four, it says, I say this, because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. So Jude's letter was written to these people who were Christians, and he was warning them about other people who call themselves Christians, but are lying to everyone, saying, it's okay if you wanna go and live in your, your life of sin because God's grace is gonna cover all of your sin. But if you know what the Bible says, you can identify that as a lie really fast. If someone tried to lie to me and say, oh, it's okay, Caitlin, just go on, sin all you want because God's grace is gonna cover it, I would be able to say, no, 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 that is a lie right away because I know what scripture says. I'm reminded of Romans chapter six, where the apostle Paul explains two times. First time in verse one and two, and he says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? 
And then again in verse 15 and 16, he says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Jude knew the same truths that the apostle Paul was sharing in Romans. He knew those same things and he knew that the Christians needed to defend their faith against those people who were trying to lie to them and to deceive them. And the same is true for us today. There are people all around us who try to twist God's word into saying something that it doesn't. Or they try to deceive people. They try to lie. They wanna trip people up. I hope that today, those people are not the people that are inside the church like it was in Jude's time when he was writing that letter. He said that those people were the people inside the church that were lying. I hope that today, it's not the people inside the church, but there are so many people outside the church that we listen to who try to lie to us. Whether it's people we follow on social media or whether it's people we listen to speaking on podcasts or whether it's people we see on the news. They all have their own way of spinning the truth to make it fit their own agenda. So as Christians, we must be on guard and be ready to defend our faith against any lie and any plan of the enemy. So I'm gonna share with you today a few things from the book of Jude that help us to determine what we need to do to defend our faith. But before we get started, I wanna give you a little bit of encouragement because you might be thinking, well, I don't really have a very strong faith, so I don't know if I can really defend it very well. But it's okay because we all need to start somewhere. I'm reminded of my husband and how he plays with our now 15-month-year-old son, 15-month-old son. And he picks him up and he'll like throw him, or more like gently set him on the couch, right? And then he'll like tickle him, tickle him, tickle him, tickle him, tickle him. And Jesse James, my son, he's just wiggling around. He doesn't wanna be tickled anymore. And my husband is teaching him to say the word stop when he doesn't wanna be tickled anymore. And when I saw my husband doing this, I questioned him a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, do you really wanna be teaching our son how to tell his father to stop? Like, he's probably gonna grow up and be a little toddler and have enough attitude on his own without us teaching him it's okay to tell his parents to stop, <laughs> right? But my husband told me, he said, I think it's really important that our son learns how to defend himself. So whether you agree with the parenting tactic or not, I think that it's true. I want my son to learn how to defend himself so that someday when he goes to school or he's just out in the world anywhere and somebody comes up to him and tries to do something or get him involved in something that he knows isn't right, he will be able to look at them and say, no, stop. And so... Even if you today consider yourself a baby Christian, and you're like, I don't know if I can defend myself, we have to start somewhere. And so today we're gonna look at a few things 
that are going to put us in the right direction to learn how to defend our faith. So we have to be prepared. So are you ready? Okay. The first thing, how can we be ready to defend our faith? Number one is we need to make sure that we are living out the faith that we have. In Jude, when he talks about the ungodly people who are lying to the Christians, he spent about half the chapter describing how these ungodly people were living. In the translation that I was reading, I counted about 22 descriptions of what Jude said that the ungodly people were doing at that time. So the first thing we need to do to defend our faith is to make sure we aren't living like the ungodly people but that we are living out the faith that we have. Because if we are living like the ungodly people, then what is the faith that we are trying to defend? It would be like, for example, you having a debate with somebody about like how bad it is to be on social media all the time, it's really a detriment to our mental health, but then you go home and you're on social media for hours every day, right? What are you really defending if you're not living it out? And so the same thing for us is how can we defend our faith if we're not living out our faith? So I wanna take a look at what Jude says that some of these ungodly people were doing. And as we look at these things, I want you to really think about it because quite a few of the things that the ungodly people were doing at that time, you might look at and you might say, well, that's kind of like, that's human nature. That's how people are. So as we look at this list of a few things, I want you to honestly think about, am I living as an ungodly person or am I truly living out the faith that I have? So the first example is from verse 16 and Jude says that the ungodly people live only to satisfy their desires. It's human nature to want to satisfy our own desires. Some of you, hopefully not all of you while I'm speaking, but some of you are probably thinking about like, what am I gonna have for lunch today after church? And your body's telling you, I really desire some Chinese food, right? (laughs) It's human nature for us to think about what we desire and then to work to get what we desire, to get what we want. But if you are truly going to live out your life of faith and to not act in the ungodly ways, We need to make sure that our only purpose in life is not just to satisfy our own desires. If our whole life is devoted to serving ourselves and doing whatever satisfies us, we won't have any space to devote to to thinking about others. The Bible tells us that one of the fruits of the spirit that should be evident in our lives if we are really living out our life of faith is self-control. If all we think about is I wanna fulfill every desire that I have and it doesn't matter what I have to do to fulfill that desire, then we are not living with self-control that God has given us. Also, Jesus tells us that the most important commandment is to love God. And the second is just like it, he says, is to love others. The other needs to be on the forefront of our minds if we want to live out our life of faith. 
one of the greatest ways that we can prevent ourselves from becoming completely me-focused is to find ways to serve others. That can mean serving someone in your house, like your spouse or your children, right? It could just mean putting somebody else's needs and desires before our own. Or it could look like serving in the church. If you were here a few weeks ago, Pastor Tim uh, introduced you to the idea of the three G's. It's on the back wall in Spanish. It's not three G's, but you know, in English, three G's is gather, grow, and go. And each of our church ministries and the events that we host fall into one of those three categories. So if you want to not only be er, focused on satisfying your own desires, you could start by serving in one of the areas of ministry. You could start serving in a gather ministry where the focus is to gather and welcome people in the love of Christ. Or you could start serving in a grow ministry where we teach others what it means and how to grow in the grace and truth of Jesus. Or you could be serving in a go ministry where we go out into our community, into the world and the power of Jesus to share his love and his light with others. So instead of living like the ungodly people who are focused only on satisfying their own desires, you can choose to live out your life of faith by serving others. Another description of the ungodly people in Jude was that they grumbled and complained. Unfortunately, it can be our human nature to grumble and complain. When things aren't going the way we want them to, we can get just stuck in the mode of dragging our heels around being, oh, woe is me, my life is terrible. And if you've ever been around somebody who complains a lot, you know that it really sucks the life out of the room, right? It's impossible to be having a good time and to be enjoying your life if all you're doing is complaining. And my parents knew how true that was. And so they tried to teach my brothers and I to learn that lesson as well, that we shouldn't just all be complaining all the time. And I remember one time my brothers and I, with my parents, we went on a trip to Palm Springs because my parents were gonna be having some meetings there. And it was so hot. It was the kind of hot that like when you get in your car, your legs stick to your seat and you're like burning your legs or you burn your arm on the seatbelt buckle, you know? It was so hot and I'm pretty sure that our car didn't have air conditioning, if I'm remembering correctly. It was really bad. But my parents did not want us to just be complaining about the heat the whole time. So at the beginning of the trip, they sat with us and they said, we're just not gonna complain about how hot it is. We all know how hot it is. We're just not gonna talk about it. <laughs> we're just gonna live in it and we're just, it's not gonna come out of our mouths, okay? And so we didn't talk about it or we really tried not to at least <laughs> as little kids. But I think about that actually all the time because we can, just like become used to complaining and grumbling about the things that are going on around us. But I have to remember that I can just choose not to open my mouth and complain about something. I can choose to keep my mouth shut and not share with all the people around me about how unfortunate my life is and my circumstances are. 
Or an even better way to look at it is instead of opening our mouths to complain, we can actually open our mouths to be grateful and to show gratitude to God. Instead of complaining about how hot the car was, I could just be thankful that we had a car and that my family was able to spend time going on this trip together, right? And you can think about how that fits into each of one of your situations. Whatever you would automatically go to complain about, how can we switch that and instead say, okay, God, I'm just gonna be grateful for what you have given me. Having gratitude instead of complaining can really change our attitudes, change our moods, change the moods of the people around us as well. And if you were like me and you grew up watching VeggieTales, you might remember this song about how a thankful heart is a happy heart. <laughs> a thankful heart is a happy heart. <laughs> and, but it's a good lesson for us to learn. If we are just complaining all the time, we're not gonna be very happy people and we're not showing the love of God to others around us if we're just complaining, complaining, complaining and grumbling. If we are thankful and we have a thankful heart, a heart that is filled with gratitude to God, then we are living out our life of faith and other people will see that in us. So one other way that the ungodly people were described in Jude was that they also worked to create divisions. In our world, it can be a natural thing to try to create divisions. We hear about it almost every day. The divisions of race, of gender, of age, of people's economic status, of where people live, the list goes on and on and on. But as Christians, if we are going to live out our life of faith, we need to not be like those who create divisions. And there is such a beautiful scripture from Psalms that reminds us why it's important to not create division and why it is God's best for us to live in unity with others. In Psalm 133, it says, how wonderful and delightful it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. Unity is as precious as anointing oil. Unity is as refreshing as the dew. And in unity, the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. In this chapter in Psalms, it says that unity is wonderful, delightful, precious, refreshing. And when we live in unity, we will live in God's blessing. So in order to live out our life of faith, we cannot be like those people who just try to create divisions wherever they go. We need to live in unity with one another, in unity with the people around us. One final description from, of the ungodly people that I wanna to talk to about today from Jude is that Jude says that the ungodly people follow their natural instincts. And you might hear this point and think, 
following instincts. That sounds like human nature. I don't think there's really a problem with that. We all follow our instincts, whether it's just the natural instincts that God has given us so that like we know as we get older, we just have the instinct that, hey, I'm not supposed to walk in front of this moving vehicle or else I'm gonna die, right? Or maybe you're a mom and you have like those mama instincts where you just like know when your kids are up to no good. And so you can be like, hey, <laughs> I know what you're doing, even when they're not in your view, right? We all follow our instincts. And I believe that God has given us instincts to keep us safe and to help us survive. But the difference here is how Jude describes it in verse 19. He says, they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. (laughs) That's rough. As Christians, we have so much more than just our natural instincts to fall back on. We can actually hear the voice of God and we know the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But ungodly people, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. So the only voice inside of them that they can hear and that they can follow is their own voice. But I am so glad that I don't just have my own instincts to follow, my own instincts telling me what I should do. I'm so glad that I have the Holy Spirit leading me and directing me because if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, my life would look so different than it does now. When I graduated high school, if I were to follow my own instincts, I was headed off to college to study to become an event planner. My whole life, I had a type A personality. I liked putting things in order. I liked having a plan. And so I was ready to go off to college because I wanted to be an event planner. But I am so thankful that I did not just follow my own natural instincts and inclinations, but that I actually stopped and I said, God, I wanna go where you are directing me to go. Would you direct me with your Holy Spirit? Would you guide me? And when I opened up my mouth and I prayed that to God, he showed me something else that he wanted me to do. And that started me down the road of serving in the church. And eventually that led me to going on the mission field in another country. And eventually that led me to becoming a pastor. And there is nothing that I would rather be doing with my life. I do not want to be an event planner. (laughs) I wanna be right where God wants me to be. In the end, I know that God knows me so much better than I even know myself. He created me, so why wouldn't he know me through and through? He knows me. And so I can live my life to the fullest when I follow the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit instead of just relying on my own instincts. I don't wanna be like the ungodly people that Jude was describing. As someone who only lives to satisfy my own desires, as someone who grumbles and complains, as someone who creates division 
and as someone who follows their own natural instincts because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Instead, I want to be able to stand strong in defending my faith because I am living a life of faith that is characterized by serving, by being thankful, by living in unity with others, and by relying on God's spirit. Only when we are living out a life of faith can we honestly stand before anyone and defend the faith that we have. And the best way for you to be prepared to defend your faith is to know and be confident that you are truly living out the fa your faith in all aspects of your life. That way, when people look at you and the way that you live your life, they won't be able to question if your faith is real. They'll be able to look at you and know that your faith is real by the way that you live. So that is the first step in being able to learn how to defend your faith is we have to be living out our faith. That's the first thing. Now, I wanna leave you with two more quick ideas that Jude gave us from his letter about how else we can defend our faith. In verse 20, Jude had been talking about all the descriptions of the ungodly people and then he contrasts that and he says, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. So one other way to be prepared to defend our faith is to build each other up in the faith. God has given us such a gift in other people so that we would not have to fight alone. We don't have to defend our faith all by ourselves. It isn't us against the whole world. You have a team of other people, a whole family of believers who are behind you to help you defend your faith when you need it, to be that shoulder to lean on when you need help. So if we are going to be prepared to defend our faith, we can help ourselves by helping others. As we build others up, we also build ourselves up. In my life, it has been some of the very people that I have prayed for and that I have ministered to who have then in turn turned to me and prayed for me and ministered to me. When I needed it the most, they were there. Or even in the times when I have made myself available to say, God, use me however you want to minister to people. It is in those moments where God has ministered to me the most is when I've been available to minister to others. If we make it a part of our lives to help build others up in their faith, then we will never be alone in the battle of defending our faith. We will always have other people backing us up. So when Jude was writing this in verse 20, he says, build each other up in the most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the final point I wanna talk about today. The last thing that we can do to be ready to defend our faith is to pray in the Holy Spirit. God knows the battles that we are facing 
and he knows all of the battles we are ever going to face. So the best thing that we can do to be prepared to defend our faith is to pray and to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we give all of our fears and all of our worries and all of our concerns to God in prayer, he is the one who defends us. In the very end of his letter, Jude writes this, now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. you'll just leave that scripture up there for a moment, if we take a look at this, it shows us that it is only God who can keep us from falling away and from stumbling. It is only him who can bring us to heaven into his presence faultless. If you think about your own life, you might think, oh, I have a lot of faults. <laughs> I've done a lot of things wrong. I know I have. But it says that God is the one who is able to bring us into his presence. Through Jesus Christ, we are faultless. We are without fault through Jesus. It is only God who has the power and the authority. So if we wanna be ready to defend our faith, we need to pray to and in the power of the only one who can save us. It's only Jesus. It's only God who can defend us. Like I was saying before, we cannot be passive about defending our faith. It must be something that we are always prepared to do. Like an athlete who trains for a competition, we have to train ourselves to be ready to defend our faith at a moment's notice. Because the reality is that at some point in your life, whether it's tomorrow when you go to work or whether it's 50 years from now, at some point, we will have to stand up for our faith. And the only way that you will be ready to defend your faith on that day is if you start to prepare yourself now. Because if you never think about it, you never think about, oh, what would I say or what would I do in that situation when somebody tries to come against my faith? What would I do? If you never think about it, you might, be, you might stumble around and you might lose your footing a little bit when somebody comes to you, comes against your faith. So we need to start now by deciding to live out our faith and choosing not to live like the ungodly people. Then we need to work to build others up in their faith so that we will have a community of people around us that are ready to help us when we need to stand firm 
and defend our own faith. And finally, if you ever feel really stuck and you have no idea what to do to defend your faith to somebody else, the best thing to do is to pray in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you know what to do and what to say in situations where we need to defend our faith. As we close our time today, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward because these people are people who are ready to pray over you in the power of the Holy Spirit. We often need others to come alongside of us to help build us up. And today, these people here are a safe place that you can come and you say, I want to be ready to defend my faith. And I don't know if I'm ready right now, so will you pray with me? Or if today you were listening to some of those things that I was talking about, about how the ungodly people were living, and you're saying, I, that was kind of a description of how I live. I live to satisfy my own desires. I live just grumbling and complaining about things. And I don't wanna live like that. I don't wanna live creating divisions. I don't wanna live just following my own instincts because I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. If that was a description of something that you have been going through recently, these people are here to pray with you because you can just wipe that slate clean and you can start today living out the faith that you have. You don't have to wait for some other time to get serious about living out your faith. You can do it today. And so these people are here ready to pray with you so that you can start living out the faith that you have. So I wanna leave you today with an encouragement. If you would stand with me. God has promised to always be with you wherever you go. So you are never alone in the battle to defend your faith. God is strengthening you today so that you will be ready whenever the time comes when you need to defend your faith. And I wanna encourage you with some words from the scripture. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. When God is for you, no one can stand against you. Overwhelming victory is yours through Christ who loves you. Amen? Overwhelming victory is yours through Christ. So get ready, be prepared. Don't wait for some day down the road where you think, oh, I might need to defend my faith now. No, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. Get ready now. Start putting your life in order. Prepare yourself to stand firm, to hold fast. We need to be ready. So as we go out today, I wanna pray for us. And then if you need to come and receive prayer, please do so. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God for the faith that we have. And I thank you for this letter that Jude wrote Jesus to remind us that we need to be prepared to defend our faith at any moment. 
And so Jesus, I pray that you would help us to be strong, Lord God, to not live as the ungodly people have lived, Lord Jesus, but that we would live our life of faith, that we would live out the faith that you have given us, that you would build our faith, Lord Jesus. And that we would live, Lord God, to build others up in their faith. And that we would be ones who would pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. And that we have the power and the authority that comes from the Holy Spirit. So that no matter where we are, no matter what would try to come against us, we have the power of God so that we can stand firm, that we will not stumble, we will not fall away. And that on that day, when we go into your presence, Lord Jesus, that we would be faultless. Because of, only because of who you are, Jesus. So we thank you, God. And I pray that as we go today, Lord Jesus, that you would remind us of your presence that is with us and that you would remind us of these things that we are learning, Lord God, that we would live out our life of faith so that if anybody sees us, that they would know that person has a real faith just by the way that we live, that we would love others, that we would shine your light wherever we go, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord God. I pray a blessing over everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Please come forward and receive prayer. We will see you next week, church. God bless you.